0: Hey, folks, it's Marvin Cash, the host of The Articulate Fly, and we're back with another Casting Angles with Mac Brown. How you doing, Mac? Doing great, Marvin. Are you staying out of trouble? Trying to. Uh, was Santa Claus good to you? Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, Santa Claus was good, and we're, we've been busy with uh, on the show season now, so we're doing a lot, of, a lot of traveling right now.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And what we wanted to talk about this time, and well, we'll talk about your show schedule here in a minute, but... Wanted to talk about, you know, we're in that time of the winter where sometime in January or February, we're going to probably get, you know, two to three weeks of really kind of cold weather. And we're going to have to basically really think about fishing low and slow. And just wanted to kind of talk about that and give people some tips. Okay.
1: Let's talk about, let's talk about being really slow (laughs) in the winter. Like when we get those kind of patterns, like what happened at Christmas when it got down near zero, zero to five degrees here for that four days. That kind of weather puts the water temp right down at around 33 degrees here, because we don't have a tailwater like fishing, um, like the National Park streams. You got really high elevation, 6,000 plus feet of upper headwater, and you got a lot of ice and stuff in the water, but everything's going to come right down to 33. So at that type of temperature, you want to get in somewhere nice and deep, deepest hole you can find, and just camp out there and don't leave it because that's where that's where the fish are just it's not going to be you know every few casts you're getting a strike or a hookup you just have to be really persistent and throw a whole lot of cast to get rewarded because you really have to almost bump them in the noses when the conditions are like that they're not going to move out of their way very far to come get it
0: yeah and that's really kind of holds true really until you kind of get up to close to 40 degrees they'll have a little bit more activity and they're going to be Really lethargic, and you and I were talking about this before. That one of the benefits of fishing the same piece of water over and over throughout the year is looking for like uh, you know spring seeps. Um, you right. know, going and fishing when it rains because the rain will actually warm the water up. And some of those tricks are looking for the sunny spots, trying to uh, to find those things to kind of tilt things in your favor.
1: That's right. And some of the tailwaters up here have that. I mean, underwater springs and. Because they're tailwaters, like the Nanahala specifically, and and um, there's quite a few springs on the Nanahala that, that feed into the river from the river bottom. And those are like gold in the, those kind of conditions. I mean, to know where those springs are and just to camp out and stay there, you know, right where the spring enters in and downstream of that within 100 yards. And um, that makes all the difference when it's cold like that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And then in terms of, you know, we talk about, you know, I would say too, you know, the way to kind of find those spots is those are the exact same spots the fish are in when it's really, really hot in like July and August too, right?
1: Yeah, pretty much. Like when the water's off, um, they're going to go to those underwater springs when the water, you know, gets, gets warm, like when it goes off. And yeah, that makes it interesting. Yeah. Like the way a tailwater, you know, when it comes off and on, when it's either extreme from too cold or are too hot. Um it works let's see, it works in verse, I guess is the way to say that. Um, yeah, so it's it's kind of the same, but those underwater springs are still the 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 best places to be if you're wade fishing on on that type of setup.
0: Yeah. And probably also too to really talk to people about how to fish down and have good strike detection. I don't know, you know, what's your favorite rig for fishing that time of year?
1: This time of year I think my favorite is I run a really long leader, and I like like kind of like an Arkansas rig, which is uh, two small, two really small strike detectors about the size of a pea. And I like to run two of them. And the, and the reason is is I can see when I fish a cross current, I can see the relationship of the one closest to the hook to just barely move an eighth inch slow down, quarter inch slow down. And it's light enough to where it's kind of like balancing the the weight of the flies that I'm throwing. I'm throwing a lot of really light flies this time of year. And uh, let's see, mostly mostly brass, like two millimeters and smaller. And either brass or glass or because um, we're fishing a lot of the, the water on the soft seams off on the edge too. There's a lot of fish sitting in that kind of water right now where the water current is like one foot a second or slower. And that's where a lot of the fish will be like knee deep one to two feet a second and slower water current. And that can be really effective. And the reason I think I prefer that this time of year is the, when the water was low before all of the rain events the last week, that was working really well because you're staying out of the the window, the window of being seen. Of course, it's a lot easier to catch these fish when they don't know you're standing there. So I think that's one of the drawbacks, you know, as big as tight lining and the big rage of tight lining still the last few years It's I think that backfires on people when they're trying to fish a deep pool and they're standing right on top of them on a on a wild stream.
0: Yeah, and I would say too, you know, just to help people understand, you know, I guess kind of the way to think about your strike detection system is you've got two peas basically on your leader, and you're you know if if they're under slight tension they're tight, and you're just looking for that one closest to the flies just to move a little bit, right? And that's kind of how you're how you're watching your drift and getting your strike detection
1: yeah that's one of when if it gets lower even a lot of times i'll use um like uh, a cider like a two-foot cider built into the leader and that works real well too and just grease it with mucilin um or snow seal is what i prefer like i use a lot of snow seal to grease grease the whole cider part and that works really well if the, if you're fishing really light flies like small flies like 18 and smaller i like that method a lot too But the P's work better if you're running more like a 2-millimeter brass or tungsten bead. That's going to balance that rig out
0: better. Yeah, it's funny you say snow seal. It gives me a Boy Scout flashback to waterproofing my hiking boots.
1: Oh, yeah. That's what (laughs) we use it for a lot. And telly boots, you know, for skiing. But with all this climate change, we don't have a lot of cross-country skiing going on these days up here. But we used to.
0: Yeah. And then I would say, too, you know, about being down, if if folks are fishing a more traditional strike indicator, you know, because um, this is not the time to try to fish a dry dropper because you need a light indicator because you're going to have drag on your flies and, you know, the bugs are on the bottom and the bugs aren't moving very much just like the fish. So, you know. For That's fo- right. Yeah. So for folks to watch that strike indicator, and make sure that it's moving slower than the bubbles because if it's not, you're not down and it's you're not on the bottom.
1: That's right. And another one, too, is we run a lot of multi-fly rigs this time of year, and so as it moves, most of the time, if it's in that cold pattern that we're talking about, they're not going to be coming way up in the middle column. And so I want to be, to put the, put, to put the three flies all down there where I want them in that zone, a lot of times I'll rig something heaviest on the top dropper, and then small, small and small follow. I mean... That just that makes sure all three of them are staying down. Rather than a lot of times I'll see people rig, and they have all the weight on the point, and then the other two flies are never in the zone, so they might as well just cut them off. You mean if you want to fish the three flies, in that boundary layer down low, that's the way I like to rig it. By fishing up up upstream, you know, throwing that rig upstream, thirty thirty-five feet, then all three flies are down in that
0: zone. I think that works pretty well. Yeah. You know, stonefly, beaded pheasant tail, and a midge larva, and you're probably in good shape.
1: That's it. There's a lot of black stones going on right now. Yeah.
0: Um, we've been seeing those a lot. As far as hatches,
1: uh, let's see, last last three weeks, hmm, not been a whole lot of hatches. We've been some midge activity. That's about it. Yeah. I keep waiting to see the big prolific blue-wing hatches that we can have, but we haven't had them. That's far, at least where I've been going. I've been going a lot up in the park and kind of starved with those right now. I'm not sure why we're not seeing them. Um, Might be because the cold snap at Christmas (laughs) still has them in a, you know, slowed down, but they're not coming off. A lot of times I think that happens more up into February where we see the really good blue wing stuff in the park. Yeah. But we've not had any blue wings to write home about the last few weeks.
0: Yeah, and and so I would say to folks, you know, these are for you, and so if you have questions that you want uh, Mac and I to talk about, if you shoot those to us, either, you know, DM us on social media or email them to us, um, we're happy to put them in the rotation and answer your questions. And, you know, we were talking, Mac, before we started recording, and uh, you are traveling, Mac. You're, you are burning it up on the show circuit. Where can folks uh, find you, take a class, see a demonstration, get a book signed? Where are you going to be?
1: I'm going to Edison uh Wednesday this week. And then after Edison we'll come back here to Bryson. We'll be back here a couple of days and the Atlanta show happens. And I think there's a two week break between Atlanta and Denver. Then we'll be in Denver, Colorado for that show and then Pleasanton, California the week after Denver. And that's the that's the shows that I'm gonna do, you know, through the winter months.
0: Yeah, and so those are all the Feremsky shows. And uh, folks, if you, um, if you want to get the dates and ticket information for those, links to all of those are on the events page on the Articulate Fly website. And, you know, Mac, I know you're guiding, you're running schools and stuff. Where can folks find information about that, and how can they follow you on social media?
1: Yeah, the schools are um, basically run through the spring and fall. And then there's a lot of weekend events that are like wet fly clinics, nymphing clinics, dry fly clinics that are like two days long for the people that can't, you know, do the whole week week long school. And those are set up kind of for the the weekend classes that'll just make it easier to cover those topics and dedicate the whole the whole allotted time just to that specific subject. You know, a lot of people always ask these questions about wet fly or dry fly, like where do I learn that? Well it's hard to teach all that in a single day with somebody. So I just it's easier to be like in a, a school environment. And just go A to Z through that two days where they get immersed in that, just in that one tactic. You know what I mean? I think it's asking a lot to say, we're going to learn casting and learn how to streamer fish, wet fly, and dry fly all in the same day. That's just not realistic. I mean, I don't think that's a realistic goal because it's not really doing it justice, you know?
0: Yeah, so folks can head to your website. And then what's your favorite uh, flavor of social media? You like Instagram, Facebook? Where can folks find you?
1: Um, yeah, I mean I'm I'm on there. I don't I don't do a whole lot on Instagram really, but but I mean I have an account at Mac Brown Flyfish and then Fly Fish and Guide School and then I have have one on uh, the Facebook one too. But probably more like when I post things about a show or pictures from a show, I usually post it on like Instagram and it'll post to my Facebook page just under my name at Mac Brown. And that's usually what I find. I got overwhelmed trying to keep posting something for you know what I mean, my outfitter business, then post it for my guide school business and post it for my personal page. It's just a whole lot to keep up with, Marvin. It's not my cup of tea. Yeah, you got to get some people. That's right. <laughs> That's right. But it's uh, it's fun. Those those will be fun fun classes. I'll tell you, it's, those shows, there'll be a lot of good classes at, um, at all of those events. I mean, I was looking at the itinerary the other day from all the different things being offered, and there's just a lot of good, There's a whole lot of good classes going to happen the next few weeks. I I got excited when I saw the different things that were going on.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And what I would say is I'll drop all your links in the show notes and folks, you know, um, try to catch up with Mac, uh, when he's at one of the Frimsky shows. I think you're literally, I think you're doing all of them for the rest of the year and, um, you know, say, say hi, take a class, watch a casting demonstration, get a book signed and, you know, or sign up for one of Mac's schools or, um, you know, book a day with them on the water. And, you know, if you can't make it to a show, if the weather's nice, you should go fishing. And if not, you should tie flies. So tight lines, everybody. Tight lines, Mac. Tight lines, Marvin.